How's it going, hockey fans? This is episode 94 of the ClapperCast. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. Sean, how's it going? Well, we're coming at you live this week from the Heat Dome in Western Canada, um, setting some record temperatures. Uh, whole whole Heat Dome here, it's pretty uh, pretty historic, about the same amount as Vegas, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, it is very historic. This Heat Dome is going straight to my dome. I, I hate it. It's way too hot. Um and yeah, Vegas, what a historic knockout. Um, going home early again. I love it. Um, Corey Perry sending them packing once again. Um, I mean, I did pick the Montreal Canadiens to win that series, but it was kind of a meme pick. <laughs> you, Yeah, you, you got it right. <laughs> like, technically, you got it right. <laughs> um, I went with the underdog in both series, and I, you know, I... I batted 50 percent there batted 500 um so yeah i mean montreal in in uh in six to the shock of the entire hockey world i think most people had the whole meme of like vegas in three based on how strong they are and montreal put up a really good fight and just basically it looks like they shut down vegas's forwards i think like all their goals came from I think uh, actually Cole Caulfield had m- the same amount of goals as Vegas forwards did in that series. It sounds about right. And uh, I mean, watching that series, the only time Vegas looked dangerous was on that set play they had off the faceoff. That was the only time they would, could reliably and consistently generate any high quality chances. Everything else was completely stifled by Montreal. Yeah, and their power play just got destroyed by Montreal. What was it? Like. 16 straight or something killed oh they're up to like 30 straight i thought oh thank god (laughs) i mean they're sitting at 93.5 in the postseason percentage sustainable um yeah yeah it was it was a wild series because they it looked like the habs were gonna lose it almost and then the ref crew changed and then the penalties started (laughs) getting called again yeah, what about game <laughs> game three there? That really, really bad one. Montreal was getting completely dominated. And then they go in, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury has that complete blunder on the, on yeah. the trying to play the puck, sending it, uh, giving, <laughs> you know, gifting Montreal that game-tying goal, and then they win it in overtime. Yeah, Josh Anderson, what a, what a uh, right place, right time moment for him, right? Yeah. That, I actually laughed out loud for the rest of that period when that happened i was like how does that like how does that happen (laughs) like trying to remember the text i sent when that happened i'm imagining it was just a wow flurry (laughs) yeah that was that was unbelievable that play uh another historic gaffe another 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 of the historic things for the golden knights and if that was robin leonard the fans would be crucifying him um but because it's flurry like the hero of that team he kind of got off with it, and then they started Leonard, and then they won, and then they went back to Flurry, and they lost, and they went back to Leonard, and they lost. Um, so it's kind of interesting goalie decisions. I mean, like um, after the gaff, like you don't want to destroy his confidence, I guess, but um, go you shake it up, go with the other goalie, um, and then he wins, and you don't keep him. That was the biggest. De- that was a questionable decision for me, to to go back to Flurry after Leonard wins Game Four. Yeah, like you, you've got two two fully capable goalies. I get Flurry's been on fire this season and was really good so far, 
up and uh, through the playoffs. But um, sometimes you kind of have to take that hot hand. And, you know, Leonard, Leonard won the game, but you go back to the goalie who's just coming off of losing your team the game. Yeah, and they alternated all year. Um, so I guess maybe that's the mentality, but they certainly weren't alternating in all playoffs. So, No, no, Fleury had taken the starter's job back. And the team played way better in front of Leonard during the regular season too. Like they scored way more in front of him. Um, and so it was just kind of weird that, yeah, they didn't didn't ride the hot hand. Um, very, very bizarre to see that decision. Um, but, I mean, I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> because I was pulling for the the Habs. Um, yeah, this is this is exciting. I mean, you've got it, it's a it's a divisive uh, Canada's team, but it's Canada's team nonetheless, and it's going to be fun to actually cheer for a team, you know, a Canadian based team in the Cup Finals again for first time in a decade. Yeah, since Vancouver, um, and so it's going to be it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, the the Habs have had a few little mini runs in the past like decade or so you know when they had like yeah. Subban and Dale Weiss and stuff like that um yeah when they had a uh, what was that one when it was like Halak and uh Chris Valhue in that right yeah yeah so um, one, of those, one of those combos and yeah. then they like you know they've had it like where Price gets hurt by Kreider and all that sort of shit so it's good to, it's finally awesome to see like Carey Price get an opportunity to, to play for the cup um you know Shea Weber yeah. in there um yeah, this is this is a big series for Carey Price. I mean, it's his first it's his first Stanley Cup final appearance, and you know he's his his reputation is you know one of the best goalies in the league. Kind of jumps up and down every other year, but for, if for him to make it this far, and especially if he gets that cup, gets a Conn Smythe, because if Montreal wins, he's absolutely yeah. the only choice for that. He's getting the Conn Smythe. Um, you know that really just cements his legacy in this generation of goalies as one of the best. It gives him probably that first ballot Hall of Fame. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a huge a huge series for for him personally and the individual accolades anyways. Yeah, and he he's undeniably their MVP and has made uh, amazing timely saves to just keep them in the game and you know, there's just like you, you lose track of how many times he's done that. It's just unreal. Um yeah. and then another thing that's kind of interesting on Montreal is that Cor- Corey Perry is going back to the finals against Tampa. And, uh, you know, obviously he can share with his team, you know, his experience from last year um, and hopefully, you know, learn a bit from that uh, because Tampa's pretty much uh, the same team. Um, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of what they do is the same. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, he was asked about it specifically. He's like, I don't see it as revenge. Uh, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> um, But, I mean, Corey Perry in in those games i mean he was uh the topic of a lot of conversation because he got that big high stick that wasn't called um i think in game three or four or something yeah, I, think game, I think it was game three I, it was game three it's probably the, it was probably the really bad one yeah um and so uh he got like a huge gash on his nose and it was just clearly a penalty and didn't get called <laughs> And then he's out there Even with the guys after the game and just, like, has a huge cut on yeah, his nose. He, <laughs> yeah, Mon- Montreal wins. He comes running down the tunnel. He just, like, bl- he's got blood all over his face and jersey, and he's just standing <laughs> in the background watching. <laughs> yeah, his redemption arc is, is near completion. I mean, uh, he was, he's a, a lot of people hate him, but he's kind of turning people around a bit, I think, this year. 
Um, he didn't have his like nope. long walk <laughs> out of the <laughs> you know the stadium this year for a suspension. But uh, I mean, he's just such a huge playoff performer, um, and like that line of him, Stahl and Armia is, was just cra- like so good, so good in that yeah. series. They generated so yeah. much offense, and they were just you know they they made simple plays pressure. to get it out and the four check yeah. and. Corey Perry seemed like he had like about a million chances per game and was just like driving the net and, you know, doing all the little Corey Perry things. And um, they didn't engage with like Ryan Reeves and Reeves didn't even play in like the last few games of the series. It was like he wasn't even a factor. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, they stifled his, his attempt at, you know, gaining momentum. And yeah, that line just wears the opponents down with physicality, you know, a little bit of speed with Armia. Um it's just a good a good shutdown momentum gaining line yeah it was awesome to see that so yeah i mean this habs had a lot of habs had a lot of cool storylines coming out of that yeah. series like i mean the coach got covid they they luke richardson first time coaching the nhl team head coach they, the guys won it for him and then you know they ended up winning the series so um pretty pretty cool you know there's i think yeah. there's a lot of reasons to cheer for montreal um just because there's so many great players on that team that are finally getting their chance and then you know that they they fired their coach and got a new guy in and they've got a lot of young players um that are exciting to watch i mean cole caulfield amazing like well yeah i mean that whole because it's it's tofoli suzuki and caulfield playing a lot together right yeah like that that line is so fun to watch they can just they just create stuff out of nothing like suzuki is an excellent two-way player tofoli's good to watch uh, good player and fun to watch and Caulfield's just energetic yeah like just feed him the puck and he's gonna throw it on net I like uh I like how Leonard uh publicly was talking about Caulfield you know like how he's gonna shoot five holes so the next game Caulfield goes top shelf on Leonard <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it was good that he said where he thought about him um yeah it's like thanks for the scouting report <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah, it was just crazy that uh, Caulfield got, like he just looks so good out there, even though he's so small. Um, and, you know, he's able to just do so much, and his speed creates opportunities. And yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see if that can continue because uh, a similar similar to like Johnny Gaudreau, where he was really really dominant for a year or so, and then teams started to figure out, and now they can kind of dominate him physically and shut him down. So it'll be interesting yeah. if that if that's going to be a factor in the years coming, but um, and how you know how Caulfield can respond to that himself in his game. Yeah, but what a what a black ace though, hey. Yeah, I mean, wasn't starting the him and Kakanyemi didn't start in first round, and now you know they're they're such huge parts of the offense, both of them. An amazing stat. Uh, I wanted to talk about Kakanyemi actually, specifically just. The last two seasons, he has been such an amazing playoff performer. Despite that, you know, regular season, he's kind of like average to invisible sometimes. He's not really much of an impact player on a lot of games, but in the playoffs, he breaks out. And I think uh, I saw that he's he's either tied or he's now passed um, Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby for playoff goals before the age of twenty one. Wow. He's not. He's not first in that category. There's still others, others above him, but like that is insane company for him to be around. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the Sportsnet panel picked up about how he's been a great playoff performer um, already in his young career. But yeah, it's it's. I guess some some players just thrive on the pressure and they need those big moments. And 
You know, he got yeah. that one OT game winner against uh against what the Jets. Oh no, against the Toronto. Um and so yeah, I mean he's just looking at a bit more of a quieter series on the score sheet against Vegas, but he still looked good. He was still, you know, hitting guys and uh, getting turnovers or takeaways and, and um yeah. Really good series. I mean, they just had a so much good shutdown of Vegas's forwards. Like they just kept the forwards in their own, in their zone, and then they had to change. And then like Vegas's fourth line or something would come out and like you know get some pressure on or something. But Montreal was able to get it out. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you, you you mentioned that they're um, they only really Vegas only really looked diff diff dangerous <laughs> on on that one set play off face-offs and they got a lot of success off of that and they just had a lot of goals from their defense and as the series progressed montreal really just kind of let them shoot from outside they didn't they didn't get a lot of shots from inside you know in the slot (laughs) and it's like yeah if carrie price can see that he's saving it and they did a good job boxing out and just like Yeah. yeah shoot from outside that's fine like you know, we don't care. Yeah. So the shot totals would be like Vegas would be like way up in some games, and Montreal would be like have like ten the whole game or something. Um, but other games like Vegas had barely any shots, so it's just like they did a good job of limiting Vegas's you know firepower. And you know, at the end of the day, I think we now know that the Max Pacioretty Nick Suzuki trade looks like Vegas could have used a a center. <laughs> yeah, weird. Vegas could have used a, a top six center. Um, wonder where they could have got one of those. Yeah. Good thing they held on to Cody Glass <laughs> because they didn't play him, and I guess he was hurt earlier in the year. But yeah, yeah, he was dealing with injuries for a lot of the season. But even even when he was playing, he's sort of taking a lot longer than anticipated to break into the lineup regularly. Yeah. So it's just. Uh, I think I think they are probably going to target it at number one center in the offseason because it's like, you know, they've got a lot of good wingers. They've got William Carlson. They've got that line, that, uh, you know, Riley Smith, Marcia So Carlson line. But it's like they need a number one center, I think. Chandler Stevenson isn't a number one center in the NHL? I don't think so. I mean, he's fast, <laughs> and he, he's, he's played good with them, but it's like if you got, like, you know, Somebody who's, you know, like John Tavares or, you know, somebody like that. Yeah, Jack Eichel. Um, but I would, I will just, I'll throw up if they get Eichel. <laughs> it the 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 discussions are already starting. I know some uh, NHL insiders are are suggesting Vegas will or should go after uh, Jack Eichel. So yeah, it's like well, I guess Martinez's contract is up. And there's a bunch of other guys' contracts are up, but it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. They just can't keep getting away with this. Like, they can't just <laughs> keep getting the number one free agent on the market. And, uh, you know, do they do they trade one of their goalies? Because I think having, you know, six million or whatever on the bench that every game, it's like, well, you It's not the greatest use of cap space. Yeah. So do they try and flip one of those guys? Um do they take advantage of not of being exempt from the expansion draft and try and, you know, leverage that somehow? I think they they probably should. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, for like Eichel, what are they going to have to give up for that? Like, what would uh, Buffalo even want from them? It's hard to really say because Buffalo is not known for their prowess of getting the right value out of those types of trades. <laughs> if I was trades. Buffalo, I'd be like, give us Shea Theodore. Yeah, like that's it's going to have to be, you know, one of those two. I mean, Theodore or Petrangelo. I don't think you trade Petrangelo that, that soon after signing him. Yeah. Nor would they be able to. He's probably got a no movement clause. Probably. Yeah, it's like, I guess Theodore would probably be the number one guy that they'd want. Or any yeah, team gonna, any team be... would want from Vegas, I think. It's like, you want yeah. that guy. Um, and then, it's like. going to be, you know, God. top prospect in a draft, a couple of first rounders, probably. Yeah. Throwing Cody Glass because they might want to get rid of him now at this point. So, I don't know. Who knows? But uh, if they do, I hope they give up a lot for him. Uh, because I don't want them to just be absolutely stacked. But uh, Any more than they already are. Yes. And it's funny to see them lose to a team that has, like, the worst record ever coming into playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think Montreal is the lowest-ranked team to ever make it to the Cup Final. They were the 18th overall team in the regular season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. It's just, like, the team got the team's working amazingly in playoffs. They're outworking, and... Um, they're just playing their game and they're sticking to the game plan. And, yeah. you know, they, they, another thing with Montreal is that they have an unreal first period. Like they have been out, they've got like a plus like 12 or something goal differential in, in the first period. I don't have the exact stats, but they, they have been scoring a lot in the first. And so they get a, they get a good start. And as everyone knows, you know, the team that gets the first goal usually wins. So, um, they, they they get out and jump ahead. It's like Vegas used to be like that when they came into the mm-hmm. league. Um, yeah. So I've got I've got the numbers on period goals here. Uh, Montreal does have a plus twelve. Nice. Uh, Fourteen it. goals for and four goals against. However, the only team with more first period goals than Montreal is Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What's their differential? Uh, plus nine. Uh, but they have more. Is that because they've played more yeah. games? Um. Because Montreal had the sweep, only only the, Tampa's only played one more game. Oh, okay. Uh, they've only got one more goal in the first period. It's fourteen to fifteen. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I guess that's a good segue into uh, talking about the other series. Tampa Bay beat the New York Islanders in seven games. Um. So, same result as uh, last year. Ultimately, uh, Tampa making it through the Islanders in the conference final. But I think th- I think this one was a bit closer than last year. I think it showed some progress on the Islanders' part. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I remember last year just you know, I mean, I guess the Islanders did get blown out in that one game, eight zero. Well, that was the first game of the series. Yeah. Oh, right. I forgot about that game. Um. <laughs> they, yeah, they they uh, they got blown out in game one of last year's first first or last year's matchup. But this one, they saved it until, what, game six? Yeah. Or game five. Game five. <laughs> game five. Because they came back and won the next game. There we go. In Nassau. And the fans all threw beer on the ice. Uh, but. Celebratory beer throwing. Which that's a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense to me. Um, you know, <laughs> good, good job there, fans. Uh, <laughs> Toss some beer cans at the players and show of support. I don't know. I thought it was just funny. 
<laughs> it's just like they didn't know what to do, so they just decided to throw stuff. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> yeah. And then they just lost in Game 7, 1-0 on a shorthanded goal. And Braden Point's streak ended. So he scored in nine Which, straight games. Yeah, that's, that's just an incredible series, or an incredible streak for him. Yeah, like he he's like he's like this generation's playoff performer. You know, we jump up from from Kotkaniemi to to Braden Point as being an unreal performer in the playoffs. He's in like what he can do, and like he did the same thing last year with so many points, so many goals, important goals, and he's repeating it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just always in the right place. He's such a battler. He just like does whatever he can to get in on the net. Um. He's great at finding uh, open space and just getting a getting a shot off in very little room. Yeah, and then like for he's like the goal leader too, obviously because he's got that huge streak. But, um, you know he's got fourteen. Um, it's just just crazy. Um, yeah, they're they're definitely strong offensively. <laughs> <laughs> See that that goal race is not even close. Braden Point's got fourteen, and then Nathan McKinnon's got eight in second place for for goals in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, uh, McKinnon, Marchand, and Kaloran all have eight. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, it's it's crazy that uh, Tampa is allowed to do what they're doing with the, with the salary cap. Um, they're not technically doing anything wrong yet. I know. They just found a very, very, uh, very blatantly obvious workaround that is completely legal by the CBA, but is very sketchy and uh, <laughs> questionable. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like the cane thing on steroids, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it just it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, and I really don't want them to win doing that, and I want them to lose to the worst team that uh, has made playoffs. <laughs> and uh, it's it. I mean. They lost to Columbus when they were the best team since like the ninety whatever ring or Red Wings. So, you know, it's not out of their, uh, not out of their wheelhouse to lose to a far worse team. <laughs> so, so not I really all. hope that uh, especially they can do when that again. the far worse team took out Toronto and Vegas. Yeah, yeah, two of the. I mean, not that Vegas well, didn't win their division, but they were tied basically. Yeah, they tied Vegas tied the President's Trophy winning Avalanche. Yeah, so they took you out know. two series or uh, division leaders, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So you know, this this is really just the North Division establishing dominance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because everyone was saying that North Division sucked and they wouldn't win against any real teams. And it's like, okay, well, what you got? You go. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> Bring it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. Um. Moving forward, I mean, I, I I watched most of the games, um, Tampa versus the Islanders, and I look at the Islanders just, I don't know. They played really good in Nassau and didn't in Tampa Bay in the last two games. Um, they, I mean, to to have your their playoffs ended on a in a shorthanded goal that sucks in a one zero game, um, and t- against the same team. I mean, it's kind of building a really nice rivalry. The games were getting pretty chippy and heated. Uh, you know, 
the Islanders had that line of Martin, Clutterbuck, and uh, Sezikis just flying. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that line is for years now. It's kind of been one of the one of the better fourth lines in the league for what they can do. Yeah. To have them together to be able just to wear down the opposition is like a you know enhanced version of what what Stahl, Perry, and Armia were doing. Yeah. Um, you know the Islanders have that line, and it's it's it can dominate in its own way. It's not particularly offensively talented, but they're gonna hit you like fourteen times per shift, and you know wear you down. Yeah. Um. One thing I wanted to mention about the Islanders is that I think Pajo got hurt somehow. Um. There was a clip where he was like reaching for a pass or something, and it looked like he hurt. Like I don't know what his wrist or something. And in the series against Boston, he was winning the face-off battle against Patrice Bergeron. Like he just he he shut him down basically. Um, yeah. And then in this series, after he got hurt, he really didn't look the same. He wasn't able to like win up face-offs. He wasn't taking as many face-offs. Um, yeah, that's totally right. And then um, um, you know he wasn't really generating any offense either. Yeah. After those first two series, Pajot was kind of in the discussion for the Islanders. Con uh, Smythe nominee, just with how how dominant and how much he'd been leading that team offensively and defensively. Um, you know, everything, all things considered, he was second, tied for second in the team's playoff scoring, thirteen points. But then, yeah, like you said, he got hurt, and then in that most of that Tampa series, he was fairly invisible. You didn't see much much dominance from him. He kind of really regressed a bit. So you have to probably imagine that he got hurt on that exact play you're talking about. And just, I mean, with it being an arm and upper body thing, of course, it's going to be a huge detriment to a face-off guy, a center who's primarily putting up assists and passes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, it just, like, you know, like when they're playing against Boston, like, they would just ice the puck and then just win the face-off. And then against Tampa, it's like, you can't do that if Pajot's hurt, um, you know, because he's not there to just instantly win the face-off. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, I think that was a huge knock against them uh when he got hurt um that they just didn't have the the depth to take down tampa without a without him at 100 percent um and then uh also i guess i should mention that uh that mayfield cross check on kucherov that was um uncalled even though the ref was like right right there it was the same refs that uh didn't call shit in the montreal vegas game too which is really telling of the quality of certain certain officials that just letting you're looking at this stuff like the guy's watching it happen and he just ignores it. Yeah, I mean, there's the clip where Suzuki got punched in the face by Braden McNabb and the refs literally right there looking at it. And it's like that's yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just like that crew is just brutal. Um. Uh, they they better not be getting a single Cup final game. No, I think like the other one was like. Eric Furlat and Sutherland. Sutherland, yeah. They they just like once they came into that Montreal series, it was like, yeah, this is more fair. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. It's like people were talking about um you know, the the, the about the whole the whole issue being the discrepancy in penalty calls, like one team getting more than the other, and it's not that. Like if one team does like commits more infractions than the other, then it's fine for them to have more uh penalty kills. Yeah, but it's the fact that stuff that is blatantly being missed and not called in front of the refs, and stuff that should be called, like that Corey Perry slash to the face. Even if that was the puck that got Perry in the nose, 
there's no way to really tell because of where the stick was like that's a that's a high sticking call like a hundred percent of the time just because of the way it looks on the ice yeah but no one called it and like it's pretty damn obvious what just happened you know it's it's that vegas is getting the power plays off of nothing and montreal was getting no power plays but they're getting destroyed physically yeah like i think that game two or something i can't remember was the first time montreal hadn't had a power play in a game in like decades um it was just wild it was uh so it's just crazy that um and it was just like the standard of play so it was like you know vegas could get away with murder in those first few games and then montreal like like shea weber literally tried to retaliate and missed and hit the boards and he got called (laughs) for a penalty and it's just like the standard was so inconsistent and so it'd be like they'd miss something blatant and then montreal would do something ticky tack and they'd call it and it was like okay and then i mean montreal's penalty kill was amazing and so it's like if vegas is looking for why did we lose this series it's like because you were gifted eight million power plays and didn't do a damn thing with any yeah yeah the nhl officials gifted you the game basically and you you couldn't get anything going so yeah you know um in in the lightning's case it's like uh once those officials came in it was like they were letting everything go and it was i was kind of like oh is this gonna get like crazy um because like that that kucherov cross check where he left the game it was like that it like they were targeting mayfield after that um and it was getting it was getting kind of rowdy um which is fine but you know, it's like, well, you, you have no faith in the officials to actually call it and keep everyone safe. It's like, there's a difference between yeah. like intensity and just like getting out of hand. Um, exactly. Like you can be, you can be, you know, rowdy, like a lot of hits, but you can still be clean about it. It's when, you know, this is where the 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 game management thing, like what the definition should be, where officials are keeping the game under control. You know, when things start to get out of hand, that's when they step in and like diffuse the situation. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it should be. I mean that's how I was always taught as a referee to use game management is to keep it under control. It's not like, oh, that team got a penalty, so we got to give this team a penalty. It's like no, <laughs> that's stupid. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, so I guess moving forward here, um, what are your thoughts on the Lightning versus the Montreal Canadiens? Who who are you taking? If if you had asked me this like a month ago. Of a, of a potential series like this, I would have said the Lightning in, like, two games. <laughs> but after the way these playoffs have gone and what Montreal's been doing and the way that they're playing, it's like they have a legitimate shot. Like, I'm just because of, you know, wanting the Canadian team to win, I'm actually going to say the Habs in seven. Nice. <laughs> that I'm just I'm just going to go on that. And, you know, they've, they've done an amazing job at shutting down Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, like elite offensive players. They've completely negated their effect on the game. Tampa Bay has five of the top six scorers in the playoffs so far. It's going to be a challenge, but they've shown that they can shut these guys down, especially if Kucherov's hurt again. So they have a chance of being able to shut that down and take the series by virtue of Carey Price and, you know, just chipping away where they can in, in terms of offense. Yeah, I think if if uh, it's going to be a real battle between uh, Tampa's power play and Montreal's penalty kill, it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. 
um yeah for for reference on that specific thing because that was one of the that that's going to be one of the storylines for me in that series is that tampa's power play for the playoffs is at 37.7 percent and montreal's penalty killed 93.5 percent like combined that is insanely high for for both teams individually and just that combined power play penalty kill stat um you know tampa uh just just under i think just under just over a third of their offense is on the power play so if Montreal can can continue this, you know, mid nineties power play or penalty kill percentage, you know that's that's going to take away a lot of Tampa Bay's offense and really, you know, bring bring the offense between the two teams back to back to even. You know, Tampa's averaging three point two goals per game. Montreal's averaging two and a half. So you take out a third of Tampa Bay's offense, and it's suddenly a lot closer. Yeah, I would I. I want to pick Montreal in seven again. I'm going with the underdog um, because I picked them last time and they won and I want them to win again and I don't like Tampa Bay. So, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like, I want I want to see Carey Price and Shea Weber lifting the cup. I want to see Montreal go absolutely crazy. And I also want Montreal to have that over Toronto that, <laughs> that, they, <laughs> that they have now won, a, like I guess, two no, a bunch of cups since uh, Toronto last last one won. Um, but so one other interesting thing: every single time that Montreal and Toronto have faced off in the playoffs, the winner of that series has won the cup. Ooh, I like now, that. <laughs> right now, most of these are in the six team era, but there's a couple through like the seventy, the sixties, and the seventies where they're started to get a few more teams in, or through the seventies, anyways. I think. That's like how so. the Penguins, every time they win the Cup, they have to go through Washington. And now Washington be- beat them and won their first Cup. Um, and so I like th- I like things like that. It's like, you know, the hockey gods are on your side because you made it through your rival. Yeah, exactly. And now nothing's going to get in your way. <laughs> so, so it'd be interesting to see if that uh, holds true. I hope it does. Um, but if... Um, if Tampa Bay wins, there's an interesting stat that uh, Pat Maroon would would be a three-peat winner, um, which is... I, we joked about this at the beginning of the season that uh, Maroon re-signed in Tampa Bay, so obviously Tampa's going to win the Cup, and now it's a thing, so... <laughs> well, it's just like, wh- when was the last time someone was in the Cup Finals three times in a row? Because uh, I can I can remember players that have been there back-to-back. Like, like I mean, Marion Hossa did that, James Neal did that. Hossa uh, was there three years in a row. Was he there three in a row? Yeah, because he went. He was in Detroit for 08, Pittsburgh for 09, lost both of them. Then he went to Chicago in 2010 and won. Oh, I didn't know it was right after that. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess Hosa might be the last one, unless there's some crazy. I like, think so because no, no other teams made three straight like that. Pittsburgh had the two, but I don't think anyone jumped from. Is there anyone who like flip flop between <laughs> LA and Chicago or something? Yeah, Hosa did go Pittsburgh De- or Pittsburgh Detroit then Chicago. I got yeah, Hosa went Pittsburgh Detroit then Chicago. I got them mixed up. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't remember that uh, Chicago was there the year after, and he was there. I thought there was a bit of a interim period where he didn't make it back there, but um, no, it was it was the three in a row. But yeah, I mean, I don't think any other players done that since three straight. Yeah. Yes, I mean that'll be pretty interesting to see. Uh, I mean, regardless, that's pretty impressive. But I don't know how much he personally has to do with that but um (laughs) (laughs) like it's just kind of like you run good teams but um interesting i mean i hope he doesn't do it uh but 
it could would be interesting story anyway. Um, to have that. Well, it happen. definitely boosts his value in the free agent market when he gets there again. Yeah, triple <laughs> cup winner. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope that uh, Montreal wins just because, like, I, I would love to see a Canadian team win finally, and um, you know, I I don't like Tampa, and I would like them even less this season. Um, and uh. You know, the last team to win back to back was the was the Penguins, and I didn't didn't like that. I won't like it if Tampa does it either. So, uh, you know, I'm fully on the Habs bandwagon, and uh, I I'm just banking on Price, Price playing lights out, and um, you know the health of the health of Weber and Petrie too. They seem to be okay. They seem to be getting better uh, as the playoffs go on, but it's still a concern when they're both dealing with hand injuries. Yeah, yeah, or hand or arm injuries, whatever it is. Well, at least Petrie can like you know summon satan th- through his whatever <laughs> ritual he uh signed <laughs> with, with his how he his eyes his soul look. For the cup this season <laughs> yeah so i mean the, the, the habs have had a lot of scary <laughs> looks with with cory perry with his stitches on his nose and petrie with yeah. his red eyes so you got that intimidation factor so i think that <laughs> you know they'll uh, yeah. they'll win and um, so yeah I'm, I'm going with habs habs and seven in terms of the the gameplay itself, you know, one thing that the Habs have been doing amazingly well is shutting down the opponent's, uh, you know, breakouts, their zone exits, their zone entries, and, you know, negating any chances off the rush, any chance for the other team to get settled in the offensive zone. You know, that, that feels like a pretty big part of Tampa's offense with the, the talent that they have. Think they're going to be able to hold that up in, uh, against, the, against the Lightning? Uh... I think it's going to be their toughest challenge yet. Um, I think that uh, they're going to have to be good at making adjustments on the fly with it. Um, They can't just rely on on the same thing. But, I mean, they... It might be like in Vegas. They kind of looked a bit flat in game one. Vegas kind of dominated. And then game two, they came out and shut down. They changed something in between games one and two. And... uh, Maybe a maybe a similar trend for the finals here in game one between games one and two. Yeah, and they've been playing like different schemes out there too, like in each game as well. So, um, you know, I think that they once they kind of see how it matches up against Tampa, I think they got a good shot at, at shutting down. Um, and I mean, like if if they do that right and they get those players frustrated, like get them off their game. I mean, we've seen Kucherov get you know pissy and make mistakes and take penalties and get suspended and stuff like that. And so like, it's really hard to play against. And so if they can do that, right. I, I think they got a really good shot at winning and uh, I'm going to put my faith in, you know, Dominic Ducharme coming back for game three <laughs> and, uh, you know, carefully watching all the games from, uh, you know, his, his COVID isolation chamber <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, analyzing the game and breaking it down and then coming back in and making those changes. So, yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope the Montreal Canadiens win. Really, I I'm totally on their bandwagon. It'd be so awesome to see. But I mean, how about you? Yeah. Do you think they have a if they can? Do you think that they they'll be able to shut them down? It'll be difficult, but I think you know finding finding the right matchup for that Dano Gallagher combo that has done so well at shutting down others. And I mean, they've got the pedigree of being able to take you know, take out Matthew or yeah, Matthews and Marner, you know, Stone and Pacioretty, you know, dynamic offensive duos, you know, Kucherov, Stamkos points are the elite, like the top of the top in this, this category. So it's, you know, 
the biggest challenge for them, but they've proven that they're capable of of doing that. So if the team can make the right adjustments and just you know trap and shut down Tampa's any you know ability to to generate offense, they have a shot. Yeah, if they can keep the games low scoring, like I think I think I saw something that it's like they haven't lost when they've scored more than two goals in a game. Yeah. You know, they just need to find little ways to counter and, and chip away where they can. Yeah, and beat Vasilevsky. You see, that's, that's that's a big one, yeah. This is like the two best goalies in the league facing off right now. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of the... <laughs> I haven't seen it talked about a whole lot, but I really, I mean, Vasilevsky is probably the best goalie in the league consistently year after year, and Price is back up there again this season. So Yeah, and the players rate Price the best goalie in the league all the time. So, I mean, clearly they, they know what they're talking about. So, yeah, um, it's... Uh, He's, Vasilevsky's just been a monster. Like every game after a loss, he just comes back and like shuts down. And did you see that stat where it's like that was his fourth consecutive like series winning or series clinching shutout or something like that? Something yeah, like I did. something like that. It's like oh my god, <laughs> like that's insane. <laughs> like I mean, how much confidence do you get when you've got that guy? in net after a loss it's like you know he's just gonna shut it down yeah you know you like you're not gonna have to worry about what's behind you you can just focus on your own game out front and you know put pressure on the other side if you know the goalie's gonna shut down like that yeah so it's it's, i think that's gonna be the matchup really is price versus Vasilevsky. like it's gonna be like you said two of the best goalies in the league going head to head i mean last year in the playoffs it was like hudobin looked it was not a match. It was not a good match. Like, Hudobin was flopping around all over the place, and he was doing his best, but it was like, that was clearly Tampa had the advantage in net. Um, yeah. And this year, it's it's not as clear-cut. It's like, these are two of the best goalies. They, they're both, you know, top in the league in playoffs and as far as all the different stats. Um, so, you know, who's going to win that battle? It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Well, here's to another hopefully exciting Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, and hopefully it goes seven games because I'm not ready to not have hockey <laughs> to watch. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps things up for this time here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way. For more content, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more hockey talk.